Today I spoke with Mary Colson, a lady who started a charity in Kenya called Restart, which literally took children from the streets with nowhere to go, and it, it's just grown in size. She really is one of the most remarkable, inspiring women I've ever spoken to. And she explains not just about the children, but how she maintains this positive outlook and the power that lies within all of us. I implore you to listen. I really hope you enjoy it. There are a few connection problems. I hope I've edited them out. Please enjoy this episode. Welcome to the David Watson podcast. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. You and I were literally just talking about energy and what it's like yeah. when we can meet each other face to face and you, you get a feel of who that person is or, or their state of mind or where that might be. Yes, that's right. Yes. Yes. That's how we all work. We just don't know it. So how do you, because I agree with you completely, but how do you know that? How do you feel that? How do I feel it? Well, I don't know if I should be telling you this, but I do something that um, not many people do in as much as I can actually read energy like for sick people. Yeah. And, and them them and or tell them if you know their diet would help them you know if they change their diet if you know all of that i do that every wednesday in nairobi oh nice nice yes so um because i've i've had people on the podcast before that do sort of channeling or reiki um or do readings yeah i don't do channeling I don't do Reiki. I don't really do readings, but I read people's energy for for sickness and how to get healthy. That's what what yeah. I do. Well, I mean, if I wanted to, I guess I could read other you know people's energy, but I don't do that. I it would be too much for me because it's it's a very um, you know you, it takes a lot of energy to yeah. read someone's so it, it would be very very kind of debilitating when i do this these readings in nairobi on a wednesday i only do them in the morning because i can't manage the afternoon as well it's too it's too taxing so yeah um do you um kind of see like a, a spectrum in the aura is it is it in colors or do you just get a sense no it, it i did once see um something in the aura in somebody's aura and it was terrible actually for me it was a terrible experience i was sitting we were having tea in my house and he was sitting opposite me and i saw this coming through his aura coming in and it was moving quite fast not very fast, but I mean, I could see it had moved from, you know, out there and come in. And it, I could I could pinpoint where it was coming to. It was coming to there. 
and it really upset me. And um, I said, I don't want, you know, to myself, I don't want to do this. I don't want to, I don't want to be a clairvoyant. I don't want to see all of this stuff. This is not, I don't want to go around the streets and around everywhere in my life and see people's sickness. I don't want to do that. Yeah. But I do want to help people, but I don't want to do that. Anyway, luckily it went. But David, three months later, after I saw that, that guy was diagnosed with a brain tumor here in his temple. Wow. And so that made me even more <clears throat> determined that I wasn't going to do that. So I somehow subconsciously managed to stop that clairvoyancy. So what I do now is <clears throat> I'm going to see it without seeing visually. Yeah. I'm able a reading out seeing visually and it's a positive negative reading kind of thing so it's not i have to ask questions to go further and beyond but it's that's that's my guideline yes. oh, that's fantastic. and i can cope with that that's okay yeah no that's fantastic i wish i was in nairobi on a wednesday morning i'd come and see it. it's um so <laughs> yes <laughs> come so obviously we were, uh, Giles was very kind and did an introduction for us. And he has spoken about the charity Restart. And, yes. And one of the, and this came up uh, during a conversation I was having with Giles on a podcast because I have one of these, because um, I coach people and one of the things I try and get people to understand is, that for maybe there's probably a, a less clumsy way to articulate this. But I think one of the things we're struggling with in the West is we don't realise how good we have it. Are yeah. going to have to repeat that? I, so I was saying to Giles that I think one of the big problems we have in the West is that um, as a culture, we kind of don't realise how good we have it. And that around the world there's in, in other countries they have it so much harder what than we do the yeah. oh is it is, is it the wi-fi dropping out it's the wi-fi dropping out you know we live in we live in, i live in gilgil and if you look on the map it's not there so oh. i mean that's how small <laughs> gilgil is <laughs> Well, that's okay because what, what I, I can say, yeah, that's okay. I, I can edit in between interruptions, so that's fine. Um, could you, yeah, that could you just tell us about Restart? Okay, let me tell you about Restart. We rescue children now. Now, firstly, David, can I just explain to you that we live in a very, very poor area of the, the Great Rift Valley, a very beautiful place, the Great Rift Valley, stunningly beautiful. But it's a very, very poor area because we don't have a lot of rivers and you can't grow things if you don't have water. So all along it's been a very poor area. Um, it was a Maasai grazing area, so the Maasai used to come from the mountains over there and used to bring their cattle over when it was dry over there and used to graze here. So that's what it was. So please understand that, get that background. We are a poor, 
poor, poor area. We, we've only been a town for about seven years now. And we're not a town like you would know a town. And we don't have, you know, we don't have infrastructure. We really have nothing. During the post-election violence of 2007-2008, we had literally thousands upon thousands upon thousands of eternal refugees because we almost had a civil war, almost, after that. And there were children already in the streets of Gilgil who had come because poor people moved to Gilgil. Why did poor people come to Gilgil? Because the land was cheap. It was next to nothing. It was only cooperatives who were buying the land and then selling land to people who, who needed land, population increasing. And, and so it was, you know, there was a, a huge need for cheap land in the country. So we already had this very poor element of, of Gilgil, who was really scrabbling to live, you know, to make ends meet, if at all. High population now and, and no, no jobs, nothing. So here we had that situation already. And we had all this influx of eternal refugees, displaced people from all lands. And what could we do? At that stage, we had government at all. So we had to do something. And to cut a very long story, real trouble. When they're going through war, when they're going through real problems, it's always the children that suffer. Always. And so the mothers of these children were now left, the ones that had husbands, which weren't very many, they were dead. And the ones that didn't have husbands had to leave because they had no little plots of land from whence they came because it had been taken over. So they had nothing. So here we had this like massive influx of children that were starving, children that had absolutely nothing, and from babies all the way up. And if, if they died, if they got sick and died in the streets, during that time, people just used to dig graves and plonk the kid plonk the little child's body down in the dirt and cover it over. That it was chaotic. It was chaotic. And I was taken round the streets and I had I had taught um, at an African secondary school, at a Kenyan secondary school. Um, it's my home. I mean, Kenya's my home. And I looked at these little children and I honestly, there's no way that you or I could see what was happening in those streets and walk away and not doing something. There, there was, it wasn't possible. So I came back and I said to my husband, I've got to do something about these children. And he said, yeah, I agree. He said, but you're on your own because remember, 
I'm doing all I can for the education here in this district, which he was. He built two secondary schools and he was paying everything. So none of the children, none of the parents had to pay fees. He paid everything and he did everything. So he said to me, all the income, all our income is going on there. I can't help you. And I said, don't worry. You know, I'm a woman, David. And women, we, we, we're not logical necessarily. We're emotional. And I said, don't worry. We will make, I'll make this happen. Don't worry. And I kept thinking at night in bed, if it doesn't happen, at least I have the consolation of knowing I tried. Yes. And you're going to say to me, Mary, how did that happen? I don't, but it happened. It's happened. It's successful. And, you know, it's, it's running. And, and, and I just, I don't know what to say to you. I mean, I did steal food from my husband at the beginning of it. He was bringing in uh, a lorry full of food for the two secondary schools. And my people used to stop the lorry and steal two bags of maize. And we used to feed our children with that because that was, <laughs> and he knew that, that I was doing that. And I knew he knew, but we never talked about it. Do you know what I mean? It's a happy marriage. <laughs> so that's how, yeah, yeah, happy marriage. That's how it started. I mean, if you had seen as children, little two-year-olds, one-and-a-half-year-olds, Three-year-olds, eight-year-olds sleeping in effluent, trying to trying to look for food. I mean, you can't go past that. You can't turn around and say that's someone else's problem. It isn't. It's my problem. So that's what I did. And and luckily, and you know, it's worked. And I'm so pleased it's worked because hopefully we are actually changing the children. We're, we're enabling them to have a life. And like I say to you, I believe that most of those children, those little children anyway, would never have made it. They would have died on the streets. So, you know, that's what we do. That's so we do. <clears throat> how many children did you start with? Six. Six. And how many has that mm. grown to? Well, we have the capacity to take in 110. At the moment, we have 90. 90. And, yeah, one of the reasons for that, obviously, was COVID, but it's not just that. It's, you know, we don't have street children in Gilgil. Obviously, we don't. Yeah. We, we, we don't have that. And our cases... In Gilgil, the children that that come to us, they're the children who are the worst treated in the district. They're not orphans necessarily. They are treated in every way. For example, David, our little girls, all but three of them, have been sexually abused from babyhood. The little boys and the boys also. The streets 
were and these are the boys that were in the streets when you know we rescued them the, the boys were treated so badly by the older boys there and um it's just it, you know it's just all of them are in desperate need like they're beaten uh, by by their mothers, they're beaten for all kinds of reasons. The mothers can't cope. Um, they have no money. They have no education. Therefore, they can't get a job. Um, and so we have broken limbs. We have children who like have two months to live. We we you know all the terrible things that can happen to children. Those are the children that we take in. So there's not one child that comes into us that isn't in desperate need of love and care and and trust, to be honest. That's the truth. Because trust yeah. must be a really difficult so one for these a, young children. Trust is very difficult. When they come in, they're petrified. Petrified. And the, the you know the the abject fear in their eyes, and of course they can't trust anybody. I mean they've been beaten and bashed and hated and kicked out and starved and you know everything I'm telling you about. And so of course it takes it takes a little while, but if you have children there already, which we do. And these little people come in, or these middle-sized people come in, or even bigger boys and girls come in, they see the other children. And so they become part of this very big family. And then the other children talk to them. And a couple of weeks later, you see these really happy kids, really, really happy children. And then you think, how did that happen? You know, that's happened so quickly. But inadvertently, I think, the children passed on that energy like we were talking about here. You're all safe. We can trust. And they do trust. They trust. They trust. We had a, we had a reporter here. He, he was a, an Australian, but sort of had married an American and lived in America, came over. Now, they now live in Kenya, I think. Anyway, he came up and he said to me, Mary, why don't you have an army of counsellors and, you know, psychologists? And why don't, how do you do this with these children? And I said, well, let me explain something to you. We did try counsellors. We tried the experts. And with all due respect to them, what I found was that the children couldn't talk to them. They were not on the children's wavelength and the children were not on their wavelength. It was just useless. And then I thought to myself, come on, Mary, what is the answer to this? What is the, the bottom line of life? What is the bottom line? What was the bottom line for you, David, when you were a child and me and everyone? It was feeling to be safe. loved. Yeah, love, feeling safe. And to trust, yeah. and to trust in the people that were with you and brought you up. Love and trust. And I thought, that is what we give those children 
and those children will heal. Those children will be safe and feel safe and they will start being happy. And that is what we do. Uh, and and it works. And they, they totally trust and they, they, they know that they're safe, which they are. And it's interesting, when you said that, the uh, love and trust, it reminded me straight away of my nan. I spent a lot of time with my nan as a, as a child. And that's probably one of the things I remember about her the most, is how much she loved me. Exactly. You, if you feel love, you're secure. You're secure in yourself. You have self-confidence. You know that you're lovable. And it's the most important thing. If you don't have love in this world, you have nothing. You have absolutely nothing. And trust. And the funny thing is, the end of the story is that that reporter looked at me as if I was off my head. <laughs> and he went down to restart. He went down to restart. And he, he, uh, we, we, we did some dancing for him and some singing and, you know, all the things that kids love to do to welcome visitors that come. And then he said, Mary, do you think it's possible that I could talk to some of the children alone? I said, of course it is. You know, you choose your children. So he chose the children from the biggest, middle and small they went into the classrooms that we he said you seem i mean one by one they went all in there together it was one by one they came in and he said to every single one of them this is him telling me and and i asked them and i said why are you so happy here what what why are you happy at restart you know what is it and every single one said, because we're loved and because we trust the people around us. It, yeah, it, it's funny how simple that is, isn't it? Isn't, isn't it? Yeah. Isn't it? And they weren't primed. Nobody told them to say that. I hadn't spoken to, I mean, seriously. And that reporter was gobsmacked. He couldn't believe it. And he rushed up to the house here and he said, Mary, I've just spoken to all the children. And he says, it's amazing. They've just said what you said. I said, because, because they feel it. They know they're loved. They know they're loved. Truly, that's how it works. <clears throat> I, I have a theory which I have no way of proving, um, which kind of comes back to one of the things that Giles and I talked about that, uh, a thing that I think is a problem in the West with our culture is that we're so comfortable that we don't realise we're no longer aware of any dangers, not real, not real life dangers. They're not, not comparable. So we become incredibly unattached to the things that are actually important because it's, it's not difficult getting food. It's not difficult having a, a roof over your head. Nobody's going to try and kill you. I mean, the news will tell us that that's what's happening. But it, it, it's, you know, for a population of 60 million people in, in, a, in a small country that has infrastructure, lights, you know. Um, I think a social app, Instagram, went down the other day. Facebook and Instagram went down last week or something for about five hours. Oh, the whole world was in uproar about it because that's how comfortable our life is. We couldn't look at photographs of other people. And 
and and I, I honestly believe that that's one of the reasons we have such high rates of depression and anxiety is because we're not aware of an alternative. I, I agree with you. Um, I think it's, I agree. I think the complacency plays a big part in, in the way we think in the West. I think that's true. I think our complacency is very detrimental. But I think there's a bit more to it, David. I think, I think it's important. There are, there are things, there are things I think that we miss, we've missed in our thinking. I think over the centuries, this has got to a much sort of um, weaker level of thinking. You know, we govern our lives by thinking. Depression comes from thinking. Yeah. Everything we do comes from our thoughts. Now, you know as well as I do that, and there's a big thing on, on the news this morning about social media and the influence that has. And we've kind of lost our values. Definitely. The West has lost its values. It's lost its morals, actually, too. It's lost. It's just lost that, that depth to life that there is. Nobody goes down and says to themselves anymore, who am I? Who am I? How am I able to think like this? How, who am I actually? How, 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 why am I here? What is, what is life? Nobody stops and says that anymore. Yes, we have a whole load of theories out there and you know that as well as I do and you have you know, you, you have people on television who tell you one thing we, and another thing, and then we have all these religions that tell you other things, and then we've got this whole hodgepodge of, of how, how you're thinking and how you should think, and this is how you should do it, and all the rest of it. And, and everyone goes, oh, my God, you know, let's, let's get out of this. And then what is, what is there there? What is there? What's the answer? We need to understand who we are to be able to stop the depression. I was talking to a lady this morning for an hour. And I said to her, you, everything you've said to me has been negative. It's been negative. Is there nothing positive? What you have to do is change that negativity to positivity because those are the only two emotions there are. Those are the only two emotional energies there are. One is positive, one is negative. Negativity is based on what? On fear. Positivity is based on what, David? Like we were talking about. Love. 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 And this is what we've cocked up so badly. So we, oh, we're in the negative. Oh, I'll never get that. Oh, I need a new car. Oh, I'm not going to be able to get, oh, so-and-so is, you know, awful. 
oh, they are, oh, you know, it's so expensive. You know, listen to all the negativity out there. And then you've got social media run by human beings who are negative. So you've got more and more negativity. So we're feeding ourselves with negativity every day of our lives. But come on, we are, we're more powerful than we think. We create our reality, we control it. If I can make Restart work knowing it is the right thing to do and these children have to be saved, just with that energy going out into the universe, whatever you want to say, and it happens, everybody can do that. It's not just Mary Coulson stuck in some tiny little place that's not even, you know, on the map of the world or the country even. <laughs> I mean, I'm nothing. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, but, well, and I really it... feel it. Well, it makes because, like yeah. I say, when when you actually get out of your way and and just say, "Look, this has to be done," right? That that's yeah. it. And then, like you say, you're not on the map. You're in a town that doesn't exist. Luckily, your husband didn't notice two bags of maize going missing once a week. And, <laughs> but it is it it was never like it has to be this way. It was just we're going to do it. It has to be done, and we're going to do it. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. But, but, but you know, you, 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 let me tell you something I've learned throughout this whole time with the children and restart and everything. I've learned that anything's possible. But shall I tell you the most important thing is you write and you follow that gut feeling it will work David. it will work because you're putting your whole positive energy into it even subconsciously that's what's happening do you see yeah so you are creating it you don't know how but you're doing it because you know it's the right thing to do from your heart you know that's what you have to do and you do it so here's, I do, I do. And actually it's, it's a, an area that I'm very passionate about because obviously one of the things I do is coach people. And but so here, here's the thing that if you, you're probably best place to argue, uh, not argue, um, give, give an idea of this is how do people learn to, and this applies to me, like, how would you suggest that we get out of our own way? to hear what we should be doing? I think, I think the first thing that all of us have to realise is that we are powerful, number one, and I mean it. Our thinking is energy. What else is it? It's energy. You can't taste it. You can't cut it. You can't destroy it. It's yours. You create it. You're the creator of your own thoughts. That's a biggie. If you, if you contemplate that a bit, you'll see that that's terribly important to understand that. Because if you're able with your, your reasoning 
your power of being to change that to powerful to the truth to what your gut and your conscience tells you is right you change your life you change the way you think you change the way you act but you change the way you think about you you change the way you think about yourself you're not just david the guy that's had that background but now does this and blah 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 and all the in between i'm not just mary you're all powerful if you take up that power and and the only thing i can quote to you is that we have free will we yeah. have free will what does that actually mean it means we create our own reality with how we think about ourselves and others how we think about life do you, do you see that and love comes into that love is the major factor here i agree i agree you know what can i say to you no i agree with you completely I suppose, I suppose the difference is is those of us that agree and those of us that practice it. So I, I can understand all of well, the there theory. You are. <laughs> yeah. But do you know what I mean? But I can understand all of the theory and and I can even be um quite hypocritical because I'll give people that I'm coaching great advice on how to do it. And then find myself getting lost in my own head and thinking you know, three days down the line, you've just wasted an awful lot of energy thinking about something you don't want. And it's, I suppose, like how you get to a place of letting go of the distractions so you can hear yourself clearly, if that makes sense. So actually, here's a better example. When I understand. Do, do you know what I mean? There was a point when you realised counsellors and adults are not doing anything for these children. So you, there was, must have been something inside of you that was kind of like, I'll just leave the universe to show me what the solution was. And it did. It was just let kids be kids, give them somewhere to live, let them feel loved, let them feel trusted, respected, and the children will sort themselves out. But it was how did you listen to that inner, f that how did you trust something inside of you to actually just let it let let something unfold without a guarantee? Well, the thing is, firstly, you have to accept that you're powerful, that you're 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 the person with the power in your life. Number one, you have to accept that. That's, that's not easy to accept. Because we all feel, and sometimes we're brought up to believe that we're powerless. Yes? Mm -hmm. That we have no power. We have no control. We have nothing. We have to obey all orders. But it's not true. We are powerful. And the realization of that is really important and how how do you teach that i think there's if you give people responsibility i think that helps teaching them that 
I think the more people deal with other people, they kind of almost learn that naturally. However, because you can see in other people, you can see when they're thinking negatively and you think, oh my goodness, yeah, I do that too. And you know, I've been thinking that same thought over and over and over and over again. David, tell me something. When you're thinking a negative thought, you do go over it again and again and again. And you'll go to bed and that negative thought will come up again and again and again. And yet good thoughts and beautiful thoughts, you don't think about. It's true. Do you see what I mean? Mm. It, it is, it's true. So what do you have to do? What do I have to do? What do you have to do? What do we all have to do? Is we have to recognize when we're thinking in that negative place and change it and start saying to ourselves, my God, I'm so fortunate. Wow, look at this, look at the garden, look at the sunshine, look at this. Look at all those children down there. Look at the people around, how lucky I am. And if you start there and you start believing how fortunate you are, you, you, instead of allowing that voice of negativity to come into you, you, you stay in the positive. You stay and say, no, 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 no. Yeah, that's wrong. It's okay. We'll change it. That can be changed. But how fortunate am I? And you are so powerful that we don't realize it, that we can change that. We can change that. And you can change people that you talk to just with your own power of positivity. You know, let me tell you something. When, we, when you talk to people and when I talk to people and when anybody talks to anybody, if you praise them, what happens? Yeah, they, they receive it well and they they start uh, feeling uplifted and, and valued. Get, exactly. Exactly. Why can't we do that about ourselves? Why can't we say that to ourselves about ourselves? Why is it always, oh, my God, you, you shouldn't have said that. You should have done that. It's your fault this happened. Oh, you know, my son did this and I must have brought him up the wrong way. You know that thing? We're always at ourselves. We're always blaming ourselves. We're always tormenting ourselves and going in the negative. Yeah? Yeah. <clears throat> no, and this might... is what we try in a very subtle way to teach the children. Be happy. You know, be happy. You know, be thankful. We're all so lucky. We love you. You know, you're looked after. You've got a great future ahead of you. Now believe it. Believe that you can be all that you can be and you will because you can be anything you want to be. And so can you, David, and so can I. But we have to believe it. Do we not? I agree 100% because obviously <laughs> one, one of my... Problem. Well, it's, it's interesting because one of my burning questions before the podcast was going to be like, how do you get a child who's had such a traumatic experience to just learn to live and like you say the answer is really simple in in a way it's really simple because what you actually do is 
you help them recognize you're not in that environment anymore. Whatever exactly. happened to you exactly. doesn't, it doesn't exist right now in this moment. And, and then you bring in, we love you. The people around you love you. Yes. The people around you are going to take care of you. They then start to trust and they're like, yeah, you know what? You're right. I'm not that person anymore. There you are. I can be this there person. And it should be so bloody, really complicated. And you're just like, damn, that's bloody simple, isn't it, really? When you think about it. <laughs> it's so simple. You've got it. That That's how we work. It's so simple. And yet we, as humanity, love to make things complicated. Yeah, we do. We do. And we're good at making it complicated. Do we fair. not? Oh, and we're excellent at it. Oh, very, very oh very good you know i, I excellent. don't we're excellent top marks for complication yeah i i, I could simple it is it is as i'm saying because one of my like i said when i first spoke with giles i was fascinated just like how do you do that how do you even begin to manage it and again and what did i do i complicated it even before i'd ever spoken to you before i'd ever found out anything about restart by looking at the website I'd already overcomplicated the process in my head. Yes, I'm sure you had. I'm sure. I can believe it, David. And you would be saying to yourself, she can't do it properly. I mean, this isn't, I mean, you know, how the hell do they do this? I just, These kids come out just the same way as they went in. Well, I, I didn't, I you was... See, I know. Yeah, it is, I didn't think... I never once thought it wasn't possible. That hadn't occurred to me, but I couldn't see how it was possible. So I, I was aware from what I'd, the conversations I'd had with Giles and from what I'd seen on the website that actually these kids are turning out great, absolutely amazing. But I, I was just like, how do you get from A to B? I, I couldn't see that journey. And I, I was chucking in so many different scenarios of what must happen. And, and no, and again, I overcomplicated it. Yeah. So, so what, what are you hoping for next? What do I hope for next in, in, with Restart? Yeah. Well, just any, what, what, in, in all of it, I suppose. Well, well. The children now, I mean, those those children that we've got as little ones, you know, they're, they're growing up. Like, we've got, we've had eight leave us. They're, they're at college. They've qualified. Oh, great. Some are at university, some at college. We don't let them leave us without being qualified for something, whether it be woodwork. It doesn't matter what yeah. it is. You know what I mean? We, we, so, so that they have a future. And, and, and truly, we do... When I started this, I said to myself, these children are going to be treated like I treated my own children. And and um, that's how we do it. Those children, whatever they want to do, you know, whatever they feel they could be good at. For example, we've got two girls at the moment. One girl has gone into beauty. And the other girl is doing stitching. She's learning to, to sew. Um, and they're very happy. And that's great. You know, that means that they can be independent when they leave us. 
um, is is very complicated, David. It's not it's not simple because these children are used to us now. They've got the values. They've got different morals. They have a different perspective of life and themselves. And um, you know, they have to adjust to the outside world too, because we are a very protected little little place. You know, restart is protected. I mean, children are protected. And so they have to learn to become independent. And we watch that through, we, we supervise that. If they get, you know, if there's a problem, we we will go to their rescue, etc., etc., etc. So we we are like parents, truly. We 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 are exactly we do exactly what parents do, and um, it's just very interesting for me. It's the most interesting thing I have ever done in my life. I mean, I never thought that I would you know have this experience i never did and i i just it's just been amazing and it's given me a greater understanding of humanity and how you know how it all works and and what you can do to help one another and it's really it's really from my perspective it's really changed me and my life i can tell you it has it's given a greater depth and enabled me to have more power than I ever thought was possible because I don't think anybody has it easy in life. I don't think anyone's life is all bliss and you've got the answers. You have to find the answers. You have to experience things, everything to the point where you find the answers, the way of dealing with it yourself, the way of understanding life. You've got to, everyone has to come to a certain understanding in life. And, and then you can go forward. And being with the children and, yeah, and just learning so much has been the greatest gift that I could ever have for have myself. You, have you ever thought about writing a book? Oh, it's so funny you should say that. Everybody says to me, I should write a book. You should. Everybody. <clears throat> you should call I it like... I keep saying that I wish all the, with all due respect to them again, I wish all the sort of psychiatric world would come out here and do a white paper on it. Yeah. Because I think, I think they'd learn a lot. Yeah, so do I. <clears throat> I think they would learn a lot. But I, I think you would make it, you would write a very good, useful sort of self-help book with everything you and I have discussed. It, it wouldn't even, you know, it doesn't have to be masses. It could be an essay. Do, do you know what I mean? But I, 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 th I think you should, yeah. you know, because this this wisdom goes at one point, you know. You, you're not going to, as powerful as you can become, th there comes a time. Yes, I understand what you're saying. I do. I do. I... You know, and un I... unlike most people, you are actually living proof of your belief. Because most most people have written the book from the the comfort of of a loft apartment or a loft studio somewhere, whereas you you your, uh, your experiences you've actually put into practice and proven them. 
Yes. Yes, I get that. I just don't have time to write a book, David. I'm too busy. <laughs> because remember, it's not just restart. You know, we have... We, I started other other sidelines of course you did because <laughs> no 90 children's not enough no to keep you busy <laughs> no absolutely not i mean it's all or nothing with me so so we started a big children's uh a big boys actually because the boys in Gilgamesh, the big boys that were on the streets were the dangerous ones and they would have become criminals and we did indeed have one of them who the British police, that's another story I haven't told you, the British police came out here for two and a half years, 25 of them, and did an investigation into a British paedophile who'd been in Gilgil for 20 years and had affected way over a thousand kids. Wow. A thousand boys. And he did, and girls as well, but the girls were sold for prostitution. And I exposed him, and that was another story altogether. So I could write a, write a book about that too, because everyone turned against me. I mean, the European community said I was lying. And um, yes, it was interesting to say the least. My own family said to me, you know, his henchman will get you. He pays everyone off. They'll get you. Mm. They'll do you in. I said, no, they won't. They won't do me in. Anyway, that's another long story. We'll have to do another. Yeah, we'll have to do another um, podcast on that. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's uh, it's just very, very interesting. And and sorry, yes, that was a very interesting. It's one of the most interesting experiences I've ever been through because I hit a brick wall when I discovered when those boys came in from the streets. Um, so, so, shall I continue my little sojourn yes. into the big... Uh, yeah. Yes. So, um, started, brought in, uh, decided that we needed to help the community because you help the community's children and you you do that for them. There's no point if you don't kind of get to the source of what caused the cruelty and the, the, the sadness of the children. So started with the big boys, knew that we had to go for the big boys to stop any criminalization of them. And indeed, I was telling you that um, this boy who had been a victim of this guy, um, this paedophile, was actually, the British police told me he was a murderer. He was a murderer in the streets and he would, you know, he would just, and I said, and he said to me, Mary, would you bring him in? Would you have him in, in this, in this project? I said, absolutely. Absolutely. Doesn't mean to say he can't change. Doesn't mean to say, I didn't know at that stage that he'd been a victim of this guy. So what I did was I started, I looked up on the internet to start a project that that males could do that didn't cost any money to start. (laughs) And it's not easy. But again, um, 
something just happened and came before me and it was a, a guy down the road who showed me that he could make paper out of grass etc etc and I thought grass so okay so that's fiber and then I thought solid fuel is made out of wood but shavings of wood like sawdust so I'm what I need to do is something that doesn't cost us anything that nature has that um you know we can make into solid fuel say and it would be environmentally friendly as well so indeed we did we make what's termed briquettes which is solid fuel yep. and we make them out of waste roses that are export exported to europe and from kenya we make them out of that plus other other sort of fiber that we get and we ourselves at restart that's what we use as fuel is the briquettes and um that we i start restarted that so that was number one and then we knew that the children had to be fed and we wanted i wanted them to have organic vegetables fresh so we started an agricultural project taught over a hundred local people to grow organically so we grow we grow vegetables organically for the children and so they get fresh veggies every day as well as you know what else they're eating and then uh, my great love of um, sickness, not, not, my, not my love of sickness, but helping and curing sickness, um, because I knew that medicine was too expensive in Kenya for the people that we have in Gilgil. But also, I've always, my mother died of cancer when I was 18, and I didn't have any siblings. Um, and I always knew that there had to be a cure for cancer. I always knew it deep in my heart that there's a cure for everything. There's a solution to everything. You just have to find it. And so I decided that we would grow medicinal plants. And we do. We grow. We've got, we've got over way over a thousand medicinal plants in the herbal garden. Wow. And we, we, we do, we, we, we dry them, we um, mill them, we put them into vegan capsules and I treat many people with them. And they're so much cheaper than, you know, the orthodox chemical medicine. Strangely enough, some herbalist, some herbalist in this country that I know, but one in particular who's very clever and very talented, he um, actually sells to who? To the pharmaceutical companies. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, yeah. That interesting. So they see what the makeup is of, 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 of that herb, why it helps that situation, what's in it, you know, what combination, what molecular structure. And then they, they transpose that into their chemicals you see and it's chemicalized so you don't get a scent i mean they've paid you for your herb but that's it yeah and of course they know yeah you see how it works oh yeah definitely. interesting yeah it, it, it so, does it, you know that, that is unfortunately how it how it does work and it is it does yeah. i think one of the things that's most unfortunate is somewhere during the process 
of say the last 50 years we've removed the education of how this all happened you know like what once upon a time like my grandparents like i remember growing up i knew a lot about what vegetables did things what herbs did things yeah. my my yeah. my grandmother especially used to take me out collecting stuff from hedgerows and things like that that would be kept yeah. in the house for certain different uses and we've kind of removed that and think mm -hmm. that the only the only way yeah. we can buy things is from the pharmacy or from the shop mm -hmm. and it's just like whereas I, I i'm lucky that um I, I i spent a lot of time with my grandparents and i grew up with my grandmother who very much relied on mushroom picking hedgerow picking and stuff like that and as grandchildren that was just an extra pair of hands to hold a basket so you're going to make yourself useful Absolutely. and in Absolutely. that process i i learned a lot about that and like i said one of the things i i, I do think that's disappointing is that we've removed the the knowledge of saying to people like look all of the pharmacy all these pharmacists all they're doing is taking this product and putting it in presentable packaging True. for you you could actually go and, and yeah, it's absolutely you know you, you could go for a walk in yeah, the woods and, and do this yeah but, and they patent it so you know that's it but that basically that's what it is but i think the biggest thing they that that's happened and i don't know where you would kind of whose doorstep this sits on it's just the fact they've removed the education of where they get it from because anybody could actually mm. just pick up a herbalist yeah, and especially an old herbalist book like a second hand mm. one and write now mm. now go and find these ingredients they're, they'll yeah. be in your local meadow the your meadow the woods somewhere like that you can buy these plants online you could grow them in you know in your garden and we don't that that a lot of that has gone now it's absolutely true and and what made me uh, another reason why i'm so interested and became so interested in this is i was brought up in suffolk okay in rushmi and andrew and and a little tiny village and i remember at the time when i was little there was only one human being that was known to have cancer yes one one yeah and now i i know so, I you have to think what the heck is the difference here what is it i you know there's a difference i i have a theory on that as well and uh interestingly i was talking to somebody about this on another podcast and it in a slightly different way but I, I think a lot of it is to do with stress it's just just stress just throughout the body because and what i was talking about is like so you you would be very much more aware of this than i was but your parents would have grown up through and survived two of the worst wars in modern history getting through all of that you're left with every day as a blessing and they kind of carried that aura about them even though that's right they might have had a bad day the car might have broken down internally they were just like do you know what i'm alive i have a roof over my head and food on my table i'm blessed mm -hmm. and, and they didn't know another way to think you're absolutely right, David. You're absolutely right. I think, I think there's more to it because I think we've developed, and you know this too, that we've developed a lot of chemicals for mm. our food, you know, growing our food. You know that. I mean, we yeah. all know that. Absolutely. And we also, we also know that chemicals have side effects. And we also know, 
I'm sure, if you think about it sensibly, that disease doesn't just happen. No. People seem to think it comes from the ether or it's just your bad luck that you've got this. No, no, no. no. It, there's a reason for everything. And there's, there's a way that you can deal with everything. I mean, I'm not saying all the time. I'm not saying that sometimes it's not too late. Of course it is. But what I'm saying to you is, you know, this is a, a huge subject that, that people need to really think about as well. It's interesting. I'm just about to start reading a book called The Kabbalion, which is a hermetic philosophy. I think it's from the Egyptians. And it is the very principle of cause and effect, be it negative mm. or positive. And mm. I think one of the places we find ourselves in today is kind of going back to what we were talking about at the beginning, is we're so disconnected. Uh, there's such a large disconnection from what's important. Like you said, these children that are now adults that you've seen grow, grow mm. up, the legacy they've left for the longer, the younger children to see what's possible. But it, it didn't start with anything other than a simplistic, make them feel safe, make them feel loved. That's right. Give them That's a space right. to be loved and a space to be safe. They will, the rest, nature will take care of itself. And you're like, absolutely. That it, it doesn't get simpler than that. And I think it's that disconnection from the simplicity of life that, that is, the, the biggest disease. I think you're absolutely right. I wanted to just explain something to you. You know, there's a, there's a huge wave of people who are now having to be gluten-free, yeah. don't you? Yeah. yeah. And people can say, oh, it's just a fad. But can I tell you something? It isn't a fad. It's not really a fad. 98% of the people that come to me now, now, mm. have to be gluten-free. They yes. have to be. And before, when I started 30 years ago, that's not how it was. But it is now. Mm. It's like that now. So, so people say to me, why? why? Why has this happened? And it's actually quite straightforward. Wheat is now, as you know, it's grown all over the world. And Monsanto, as you know, had the ability to genetically modify the seed mm. and so that it was adaptable to any, any conditions, which was very good for the world economy because it could grow anywhere. Yeah. Right? Okay. So the trouble is, though, that when you chemicalize and genetically modify a seed yeah. of wheat or of anything, I imagine, um, it can't grow in just soil. It just can't. No. So you have to chemicalize the soil. And when you chemicalize that soil, you destroy the minerals that go up the root of the yeah. root. Okay? Then when you've done that and it's growing and it gets to yay high, you know, small, I mean, but medium, they now spray in the field, how many times, David? Six times with insecticide and six with pesticide. Oh yeah, so that's twelve altogether. And and there's and also then, no. when it, when it reaches maturity, they take the germ out. Yeah, and then the miller has to, by law, spray with rat poison for aflatoxin. That's why ninety eight percent of my people cannot take yeah wheat. 
I mean, it's you interesting. See? It's that simple. But it's also interesting as well because the there's that switch from the wheat a wheat based to a wheat based diet. So so I, I remember uh, listening to a guy. It was about twenty years ago, maybe ten years ago, but I think it was about twenty. And he was a PT, and he he started talking about gluten people who were going gluten free, and and now this is specifically to do with the Western diet, you know, which was yes, you know, yes. Um, and he said maybe it's not that you have a gluten intolerance. Maybe for the first time you're actually eating a healthy diet. <laughs> mm. He said, but but being gluten intolerant brought it to your attention. You know, you know. Now that's not going to kind of be the same for where you are because you know if I if I go down the road right now I could walk into one of at least 10 different takeaways <laughs> you know what I mean and and we also have this other issue especially with wheat is there used to be thousands of varieties now we're just mm. down to a couple of single varieties so mm-hmm. you, you don't get the differences and it, and it's and then like like you say once you remove all of the different varieties and then remove the natural growing process, and then add in all of the chemicals, you're just left with a synthetic. Well, but but you are, and and the the, the crops that are grown with the wheat, like barley mm. and rye, mm. oats, very yeah. often they're grown with wheat, they're treated in the same way. So unless you get organic, you're, it, it's useless. I mean, it's, it's, you're eating, what are you eating? You're eating garbage. Yeah, definitely. All day, every yeah. day. Yeah, and you can't digest it. And then you now you've got problems and, and you know and so it goes on and on and on and on. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? When I came at first to Kenya, um, I had to go to a doctor in Nairobi, a doctor, a really well known doctor, ear, nose and throat specialist. And I said to him, uh, just out of interest. How many cancer patients have you seen, do you see, in Kenya? This is Kenya. I mean, it's, a, it's got a lot, large population. Yeah. And he said, he said oh, four? Four? Do you realise, David, that now that we eat the Western diet and everybody, all Kenyans eat the Western diet, do you know that every family has a member of it with cancer? Oh, yeah, I don't Kenya? doubt it. I don't doubt it. I, I don't doubt it you know we you know we've got halloween coming up and already the kids are gorging themselves on sugar you know yes i know i know and that's we, another thing anyway we could keep talking we would. In a day. so we should probably actually because uh we're we're into this now we, we probably should because we've we've done an hour and um well actually <laughs> over an hour we've already gone over an hour um but oh, I would, oh my, yeah terrible but i well, would definitely love to get um, do another podcast about the project you've done with the the bigger boys and how all of that come yeah. about so and i think you'd be interested in that i really do mm. yeah yes so, yeah definitely so that's another story in itself and i'll look you've got that. a lot of you've got a lot of podcasts with me david if you go into it instead of a book <laughs> yes and this is a, I, i'll get your verbal memoirs instead You know, that's true. <laughs> no, that would be. I'll look forward to that, and we will arrange to do that again. Thank you very much. Okay, it's been very good to meet you, David. I enjoyed talking to you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed listening to Mary 
I thought she was an incredible lady, very inspirational. And the way she explains the power of thinking and what it can do for us, I really, that really, really resonated with me. And as always, I will put the links to the charity in the description. Please check it out. Have a look at what they do. Maybe you can help. Also, if you enjoy this podcast, please like, subscribe and share. I promise you it makes a massive, massive difference and I really appreciate it. But wherever you are, whatever you're doing, please take care and have a great day.